2: at luckylandslots.com available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary VGW group void prohibited by law 18+ terms and conditions apply this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet.
4: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Action Bulletin, there are four of us today on this Tuesday, we've got myself, Declan McConville, Patrick McGill up the top beside me, and down the bottom, Lawrence and Natasha, how are we all doing on this Tuesday? A bit sad, yesterday's news
5: mate,
4: Yep. -hmm. great John Hughes, passing on. Yeah, so John Hughes um, signed for Celtic in 1959. He made his debut against Ferd Lanark in 1960, scored in his debut. Obviously, those Celtic teams of those days under the great Jimmy McGrory didn't have a lot of success. Um, but big yogi coming out of that team with the likes of Stevie Chalmers, John Clark, But I mean, you know, guys like Paddy Cairn, too, obviously went down to Manchester United very early on then. Um, he caught the eye, I think it's fair to say, very early on. Um, and when he scored in the quarter final of the, the, the old cup winners sorry not the cup winners cup in the, the the tournament that we got to the semi-final against MTK Budapest. He scored the winning goal against Bratislava. It got Celtic to its first ever uh, European semi-final. And then things changed at Celtic, obviously, with the arrival of Jock Steen. He played up top in that 65 Scottish Cup final, in which Celtic defeated Dumfair in three goals to two, goals coming from Bertie Old and Billy McNeil. And then possibly his most important game which he very kindly signed my programme to is this League Cup final from 1965 um, which Celtic, um, people might not believe me when I say this got two penalties in a cup final against Rangers and Yogi scored both of them. Um, an incredible feat. I think he's probably the only man to ever do that because we never never mind one penalty. We never get ever two bloody penalties which Big Yogi would probably tell you himself. Um, he played an important part and the Lisbon Line signed. He played in five of those nine games on the run to Lisbon. He should be rightly remembered as a Lisbon Line, as should his other teammates who made up the squad. He played important parts under uh, Jock Stein's side with the quality seat coming in, and obviously to the tail end of his Celtic career, scoring a wonderful header against Leeds United in front of a record European crowd in the semi-final of the European Cup. Um, he was forced out of Celtic in 1971. Didn't know anything about the transfer to Crystal Palace when he headed down there with his Celtic teammate, Willie Wallace. Um, After leaving Celtic, one of the standout things from his book, um, which is just above me there, written by Alec Gordon, as he said, he always wanted to be remembered fondly as a Celtic man. And very much so was that. He was a feature at the match day. I used to see him quite regularly in in Club Celtic with Kathleen Murdoch, the, the late Bobby Murdoch's wife and his big pal John Fallon. Um, And obviously there'll be many Celtic fans who probably popped into McConnell's and other various pubs that Big Yogi worked in and used to see him pulling pints and could hear him regale them with his tales of his successes in football. Um, Everyone at a Celtic state of mind's thoughts are with the Hughes family at this sad time. And in a personal note, he was a very nice man, Um, like all his Lisbon teammates. As Big Yogi passes on another person in the Lisbon story of Celtic football club passes but as long as there's a Celtic and the name of John Yogi Hughes will always be remembered. Um, Lawrence you like myself mate big big Yogi many a times obviously doing at the penalty spot with Kevin he had the big man down what what was your memories of big Yogi? I
6: think all over and above everything else just how much I love Celtic you know he talk about his career and the current team but everything's shone through just how much he loves Celtic uh, you know talked about how much he was disappointed to leave to go to Palace how it was kind of forced on him uh, and, and he, he just didn't like South London at all I know he can of have a short spell at Sunderland but yeah just. I think you know listening to my dad uh, my dad remember him saying you know unplayable it was a word invented for Yogi Hughes when he was on form it says Yogi on form
4: Celtic one. Yeah. And he played by a lot of great strikers at the club throughout that time. Um, and Patrick, his goal scoring exploits are truly remarkable. Um, since he retired from football in 1971, only one player has scored more goals for Celtic. Since him, he's Celtic's seventh top greatest ever uh, goal scorer, which is a, a wonderful feat considering, you know, for a lot of his early Celtic years, he played in a team that wasn't successful at all.
7: Yeah, an absolutely incredible record. And, um, you know, a wonderful, uh, eleven years he gave to the club. Um, as you say, he sort of he stands among giants. I mean, when you put it in context like that, there's only one player to have scored more goals for Celtic since he's retired. It's it's hard to put into words the sort of the contribution that he made to that side, and of course that's among um, many great strikers. You know, you got Willie Wallace, Bobby Lennox, Stevie Chalmers, and then you know attackers like uh, Jimmy Johnson, and then. The quality street gang coming through just as he was leaving. To not only be in the side, but to score so many goals in that side, it's it's an absolutely incredible feat, and it's it was very sad news last night.
4: Yeah, it in Um, sad news, Natasha. It's you know we're now down to five Lisbon lines left from that squad. and um, as I said, I think with every line that passes, a, a story about that squad um, passes. But you know, the, the big man. Um, like Charlie Gallagher and obviously Bertie, the two most recent line that passes will always be remembered.
5: That's it. Their stories live on um, through through Celtic, um, and of course, none of or the majority the three of us anyway were not around to see Yogi play for Celtic, but we've been taught the history by our families. We've seen the videos capturing the football of the immortal the Lions. We've seen the the many goals that that Yogi scored, and you know despite not even having been alive at the time, the three of us will remember that, that goal he scored against Leeds at Hampton. And that's what Celtic is. It's these stories that live on. These players are immortal. Um, and they are, they don't just live on through, you know, their, their footballing history. They live on through their families as well. Um, I think we all know his son, also John. He's obviously got four children. But John has always been a great supporter, particularly for me. He's been great with me. He's been great with Axon. We know he likes the show. Um, so of course we are all sending our, our love and best wishes to him and like I mentioned his legacy doesn't just live on through his football but through his children and grandchildren, the stories that he'll have will keep being repeated and, and they need to be because quite simply what he and his teammates achieved will never be seen again um, so we'll always be grateful to them for that and long may their stories live on yeah,
4: Absolutely Um Lawrence, I've got a great uh, video that Big Yogi does with, with Jim Craig when, when Jim was working at Celtic Park at the time. And Jim Craig asked him, you know, would you fancy yourself in the modern day? And he says, yeah, I think I would. Because obviously in those days there's that famous story of him wearing the, the sannies, if it will. <laughs> uh, we made beat Aberdeen 8-0, always scores five of the goals, the pitch is frozen. Uh, any kind of old press reports you read about, Yogi was vital in games and heavy pitches, which were... Obviously, the Norman those days just due to the way he would carry the ball for you and get you up the part and and scored goals. I think in the modern day too that, that Yogi could have been a player used by any manager just due to his versatility too. You know I mean? One hundred and eighty nine goals for a, a man who played both in the wing and up front, mainly in the wing, says a lot about him as a football player.
6: Yeah, I mean last time, uh, me and Kevin from the balance spot out with him down at Greenock yeah. Celtic Sports. We're we'll talking about obviously... But Andy's team in the car on the way down, and well, John's giving you on through and giving you a, a few tips and what to watch out for for players. And obviously it comes up, you know, where would you think you would have done a minute, John, and said, Well, look, we're kind of striking with a, a light. Anywhere across the front three, I can play, score goals for fun, you know. So, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to see how he wouldn't be an asset to any team. But that's cool. I me. Mean, the event has in, was it 63 or 64 or something? Mm, yeah, there was the an yeah, when he was 18 years old or something. I can't, can't remember exactly when, but yeah, you would be trying to buy him from Celtic, and obviously Celtic said no, but yeah, just, just an outstanding player. I yeah. think it was Billy McNeil's was sand wasn't it, that he bothered He yeah. went yeah. against Aberdeen. It was, uh, but honestly, very time you're out with him, just really unassuming, just love Celtic, just talk Celtic all the time. Yeah. You know, the modern team, guys he'd played with, who like to see signed, what like maybe the manager could do different with the team, what he'd like to see happen. Just 100% Celtic, by like John News.
4: Yeah, absolutely. A, a total Celtic man through and through. Patrick, it was nice, his, uh, his son, Natasha's already spoken about, uh, young John, put up a really nice uh, tweet earlier on to say that when the last moments with their dad was watching um, the, the game on Sunday, managed to give them uh, a sing-song of grace and a be fist bump after uh, Stephen Welsh. Got the goal. Obviously, a man who had scored many a goal for Celtic, but it's a really nice moment to to keep and cherish that. It was also nice to see him um, at the event in May that they had to celebrate fifty five years since the, the Lisbon achievement. It's um, it, it's fitting that these men are remembered. The club did well by them in that event, but you know it's very fitting that they should always be remembered at Celtic Football Club, the Lisbon Lions.
7: Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. You know, they're always going to be remembered, as you said. As long as there's a Celtic, people remember uh, John Hughes, um, and it shows just how intertwined, you know, his life was with Celtic and how Celtic is with him. Because one of, as you know, his son said, one of the final lovely moments they had was with Celtic celebrating the opening uh, day of the season. Um, it's it's incredi- it, Sorry, it's incredibly sad because you know he's given so much to the club. Um, and you know everyone knows him, everyone knows what he's done and you you posted a video last night of him talking about the fans and the connection he had with yeah. the fans and the connection all of them have had with the fans really because they've all been so approachable and so um, you know, very down to earth and very humble um, and just more than happy to talk about their experience and what they've done for the club um, so really they've been a servant to Celtic long after they've stopped playing because they're willing to go out to social clubs and tell their stories to fans over and over again. So just
4: very sad news. Yeah, it's, it's deeply sad news. Um, Natasha, you know, as, as Patrick said, that he was a permanent fixer-up in, in Club Celtic in the lounges. He was always thrown that back lunch with, with Kathleen and John and he was always an approachable, friendly big guy. You know, as Patrick says, there, he was able to, to tell you your stories. He would sign anything you wanted to sign, photographs with fans and whatnot. Another thing, you know, we bang on here a lot about Celtic Academy players and whatever else, you know, but majority of these guys that came through into that Lisbon Lions team, Yogi along with some of the guys I mentioned at the start, are again great poster boys to, to anything that, that comes through those ranks at Celtic Park. Obviously a complete different generation, but he basically came to Celtic directly um, from, I think, Short Accord right into that first team under Jock's team.
5: Yeah, um, an incredible legacy for, for the club and the younger players today just need to look at what they achieved and hopefully aspire to follow in the footsteps of Lions because that's what we could do. Um, you know, Stephen Welsh being one of them. Um, I think he will take a lot from that story that Yogi's son John told um, about some of his last moments being celebrating that Stephen Welsh goal. And I think Stephen will... I'll take a lot apart from that. I think he'll like that being, you know, one of her own, an academy player, someone who loves the club just like Yogi did. Um, And I think what's what we can do from this, of course, it's sad. Is what I've really enjoyed is seeing all the stories about him because, like you all say, he's very approachable. He's very down to earth. He was very accessible, um, and someone who spoke to everyone about Celtic and his memories of, of playing for the club with these incredible stories. And what we're seeing now is people now retelling those stories. And there's perhaps some people haven't heard before that are now being shared online. And something that his son said is that he's taken a lot of heart from that, a lot of comfort from that. And I certainly know from my perspective, hearing these stories of, of people's interactions with him has just been fantastic. So while we do more in the loss of another lion, we also... Get the chance to celebrate his life um, through these these stories and these exchanges, and there is definitely a lot of comfort to be taken in that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lawrence, a great record of honours at Celtic, and again, it really was a, a, a contrast. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson always says that if you'd have written a book about the turnaround at Celtic from 1965 onwards, you would call it fiction. Um, big Yogi, seven league titles, four Scottish Cups, five league cups, and of course a, a European Cup winners' uh, medal. Some turnaround and a very, very important part of that Celtic team in the, the early sixties and the late sixties, and some did basically typified Celtic in the sixties.
6: Yeah, no, is there another one of McGroary's signings? I think the Lions only, only Wallace wasn't signed with McGroary. So you, you, you know, as you said, it wasn't uh, the best of times, in the early sixties, but you know. I think those players they got a lot of experience. You know, some cho- chose to to move on, some stayed and and, and got the reward for staying with Steenkamp and, and really turned things about. Taking this to a you know a height that's never probably will never be reached again. You know, eleven local boys in the team, even you know, yeah, Charlie Galica. I think they all qualified for medals. All, all local guys. You know, being the best in Europe and being a real European force over a number of years. You know, been one of the best teams in Europe for five, six years. Solid, yeah. Uh, the, the stories uh, John could tell and frequently did tell to supporters. You, you know, just uh, just a, a, a cracking big guy that was Celtic that really lived the dream. Being I mean, seventeen years old, scoring your debut was it three games in, scores against Rangers. It's just to a legend,
4: isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And he most definitely is a, a true Celtic legend. He'll be fondly remembered. Um, I hope the club do right by him at the weekend and I'm, I'm sure they will, um, with, with their own tributes. Um and again everyone at Celtic State of Mind pass on our condolences to to the Hughes family. Um Patrick, moving on to to the game on Sunday, it was great to get back to to see, I'll take part for a competitive game. Obviously, we've been there for, for Blackburn and Norwich, um, but we were back. It was a real carnival atmosphere, and it was some spectacle before the game kicked off.
7: Yeah, um, I walked into the ground when uh, they were playing Grace, which was a wonderful rendition. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd walked in. I think it was one of the last in the ground by that point, and I was still ten minutes before kick off because the place was absolutely packed. It was rocking, the sun was shining, um, half four on a Sunday, and it it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, because of the pandemic, we'd rarely seen those days. I think the last time we had a a flag day was probably August 2019, Um, I think I'm right in saying. So it's great to have these days back. Obviously, you need to win the league to do these things, and it's fantastic that we're back on top as well. And the performance that the players put on as well was exceptional, you know. It's no guarantee that after all that carnival atmosphere, you're, you're going to play well, but we did play well, and the atmosphere continued, and it was a great performance, and it was you know, 2 nothing going on 5 nothing. if I've been honest.
4: Yeah, it was um, very controlled, Natasha, I thought, for large parts of the game. Um, I wasn't taking a back at Ange Postacoglu after the game, I was in the post-match presser, but he wasn't in the best of moods, I expected him to be a wee bit more uh, happier, but I think one of the biggest things I took away from the post-match was one of the journalists in the room asked him, is it about getting into a rhythm and the goals just come? And he says, no, I don't buy into that at all. He says, the league started, um, that there's no such thing as rhythm. I, I don't buy into that. Um, it should basically just come from, from what I've been working on, which I think says a lot about the standards. And I to Goggle is setting at Celtic and has been setting for well over a year now.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't want us to, you know, need a sort of running start to this. He wants us to hit the ground running game one. This is our first competitive game. You know, yes, the friendlies were a great preparation in terms of the fact that they they weren't that friendly. You know, they did feel like very competitive games and they were played at a very high tempo, which I think was important because, you know, Aberdeen has played a few competitive games. They've been in the, the League Cup and things like that leading up to it. This is going to be our first taste of competitive football. Andrew wanted us to be ready for that, not take some time to get to get into it and get used to it. Um, I I was probably a little bit less harsher and nicer post match analysis than he was. Um, I thought we played some really good football, particularly in the middle of the park. Um, but I do probably share this slight like, concern that it wasn't quite linking up front. Um, I thought Kyogo was relatively quiet by his standards. And despite all the good football we were playing and the good football in the middle of the park, we weren't really taking advantage of that. We weren't, you know, converting that into clear cut chances. And when we were creating chances, we weren't then taking advantage of them. So I think that's probably what is concerning, Andrew, what maybe saw his grumpiness in the post-match. Interview is that you know, in, in other games, we need to take those chances. You know, we can't pass up that sort of many opportunities. And if it hadn't been, you know, for that jot of goal with you know, about 10 minutes to go, roughly, that could have been a very nervy finish to the game, you know, particularly with a couple of corners that Aberdeen had late on. Um, and Ange doesn't want to finish the game sort of nervy, one nil holding on, so that's not his style, that's not how he wants his football to be played. And given our dominance and our possession, it should never have come down to that. Um,
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: But it didn't. Jota got his goal. Fantastic goal that it was. But I do get his frustrations at the fact that it was only 2 0. We didn't really take advantage of a lot of the good football that we played. But listen, like I said, we're only one competitive game into our season. We're already looking good. There'll be things to work on. Of course there will be um, and I'm sure he'll be doing that in training this week.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And a whole week to, to do it again. Um Lawrence Gary Melrose oh, yeah. just came in here to say no excuses from Antipos to Call Glue. Great warning shot across the bows of the team and Jota in particular. It was that as well. Um when asked about Jota, he just came in after a you know a wonder goal um, we spoke to him after we'd spoken to Ange but uh, I don't think he would heard what the manager had said about him you know he said it was one of the worst culprits for losing the ball out of possession um, yeah it was a real warning shot but again you know as Detacher said it almost felt strange because usually at this point in time you've watched Celtic a couple of dodgy European qualifiers you've seen them come through it played some maybe good football um, maybe I need to go back to Astana for maybe playing good football in European qualifiers but uh, it just seemed like you know this is a complete warning shot here I'm setting the standards and I expect those standards to be delivered which is probably why I think you might shake up the team a wee bit come the weekend
6: Yeah I, I don't think it was too different a different, uh, performance from the knowledge performance it was very kind of pre-season you know we got an early goal and we just didn't seem to be able to convert the chances of making off of them you know clear cutting off Good decision to the balls re- And it's a wonder goal from Jota that's really given us a bit of comfort. You know, if he's not scored that, Aberdeen might have thought, you know what, that this is all play for here, here at one now. So you can see you can see why I'm just frustrated. and with Natasha on it. I didn't think Kyoga were on the best up front. It's maybe, if I'd said that against Norwich, I, I thought, yeah, to come on, Kyogo wasn't leading well. So, yeah, we, we definitely need need to be better with the chances for Kane. Could have had a pen right enough, you know, You know when the boy died down and, and takes a tatty out. Uh, Reff with a great view of it. If only we had var in, you know, and then we could have just blamed the guys in the bar room for not giving us it. But, yeah, can see what Hans is it, it, saying. You know, we, we really need to start taking our chances and be a bit more clinical. Uh, it, it did feel very pre-season, much like Norwich game, it didn't feel like you know, we, we'd up the, the standard from there or up the intensity, which I think Angie's right to expect we should
4: be. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Patrick, you know, we know that Celtic can go to another gear. I said to Jane that sits beside you at the game, it feels like, know, an early game in, in the season. You can just tell that. Um, for, for people asking, um, no, I don't think David Martindale will be joining us in this podcast. I know he goes another team's podcast out with Livingston but I don't think we'll be getting uh, DV on um, to talk on an Axon, but that's going to be more than welcome if he we wanted to because he seems to be going on in the uh, other SPFL Premiership podcasts. Uh, Patrick, just on this, another Patrick's come in to say that he believes that Ange should not go public in his comments keep them in the dressing room. I, I think it's really refreshing to actually hear him come out and say this because I think it brings you down a wee bit of a level. You know, those Celtic players are going into the dressing room and thinking, yep, job done, great performance, blah, blah, blah. Um not the case at all and it's all about the standards he's setting at the football club which you know I think we, we don't want to be things coated up and, and hear nonsense we want truth out of there and I think it's refreshing to hear him say as I think it's refreshing to hear his comments that he did say on Sunday
7: Yeah yeah, especially if you know we, we appear to be playing well and you know Jota's coming out and saying that he enjoyed the performance he thought he plays well but then if he's not playing to Ange's sister, Ange, needs to be in control, Ange. He needs to have the respect and the command of the dressing room, so he needs to make sure that all the players are playing to, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, playing to his style, or else, you know, you end up losing control of the dressing room and it all sort of goes to pot. But, you know, if he if he's setting the standards, as you say, we are wanting to try and compete not only at a Scottish level but at a European level. So if we're losing the ball too much, and we're not taking advantage, advantage of these chances, then Ange needs to come out and say that. And he needs to, he needs to come out and say it publicly so the players understand and get the message um, that they do need to up their game. Because, you know, we're only, what, four or five weeks away from playing potentially one of the best teams in the world. You know, we could be playing against Manchester City in four weeks' time. Uh, you just don't know. So we need to be ready for that. Uh, and... Andrew obviously has identified that and he wants to go public to make sure that everyone understands that.
4: Yeah, I've got absolutely no issues with it at all. Natasha, I thought it was very refreshing. Um, One player who he was, you know, praising was Stephen Welsh after um, the game. I, you know, I, I thought it was kind of justice done for Stephen Welsh. There was a lot of chat leading up to the game of folks saying, don't play him. Um, me, myself, Lawrence and... Patrick, on last week, all said, "Yep, yeah, start Stephen Welsh, you know. Maurice Jens is just in the door, he's played a lot of pre-season, he's been important in pre-season. And I thought it was kind of justice done for Stephen Welsh, and it'll be interesting to see how he kicks on again, because Ange, certainly in the lead-up to the game um, on Sunday, was full of praise for him. And he came away with a comment saying it's now time for them to step up, which I thought was really, really uh, interesting to hear, you know. And as long as a defender's keeping clean sheets and scoring goals, he's not going to drop out the team.
5: No, credit to Stephen, and I certainly would have started him against Aberdeen as well. Um, he, you know what, he, just, he doesn't really do anything wrong, Stephen Welsh. I think he's just very competent, gets on with his job, uh, minimal fuss, and he, he's good at it, you know. Um, he got a good amount of, you know, football last season. He's bringing this experience of pre-season into this season. Um, yes, when both fully fit, I think Starfield and Carter Vickers are the first choice. But it's great to be able to have Stephen Welsh as a really able deputy. Obviously, we've brought Jens in. Um, it'll be interesting to see, see where he ranks in the pecking order. I think at the moment, he's probably a bit too new, a bit too fresh, maybe needs more time to work with the team, work in training, um, get used to the system. He looked great for the sort of cameos that we've seen of him during pre-season. But that spot was always going to be Stephen Welsh's at the weekend. Um, you know, he's the one who's played the most game time, he's the one who understands the system, and has shown himself to be a very competent player playing alongside Carter Vickers. So again, was impressed by him at the weekend. I imagine he'll keep his place for for Ross County this weekend coming. Um and I'm absolutely fine with that. I've got confidence in him to to do the job. So no issues from me. I think Starfelt's probably still a little bit away. Um, just before the Aberdeen game, Andrew mentioned that you know Starfelt had only trained twice, so really wasn't ready to come back after you know that injury yet. Yes, he'll have more training sessions under his belt before Dingwall, but probably you know not enough. If there's any element of risk, you don't take it because you know Stephen Welsh is doing absolutely fine. So leave him there until you know you feel that Starfelt or Jens are the better option. But right now, Welsh is doing just fine for me.
4: Yeah, Lawrence made a really good point on this last week. Trying to get Starfield back in and try to, you know, set the target probably the first derby game. I get them into the the team, but but Lawrence, you know, thinking about Andrew's comments about him stepping up and, and whatnot. You know, he's not seen Stephen Beale here as just you know a, a young academy product coming into the team. You know, he's not featured very heavily for Celtic yeah, over the course of, especially since you know the start of the year. But um, you can see that Ange Postecoglou's got a lot of trust in him. And we learned yesterday from Anthony Joseph that Toulouse have now stopped their interest. He was a main defensive target. They're going to move on. So hopefully that's the end of that saga, and he can just you know focus on this season, which I think he's wanting to do at the Celtic.
6: Next season for him. I mean, a worry last season. I think we're all for keeping him. Was you know, last people said, "Is he going to get enough hours? You know, game time? Because we need him to develop." I, just I, I could see him being a long term option. Maybe Stephen Welsh has got a target of being this season's Greg Taylor. He says look look, look at Greg. Bold prediction, you know, I
4: like it, Lawrence. Yep.
6: He's established go. himself as the, the left back, he's the boy to get the jersey off. If you're Stephen Welsh, you're looking going, Well, there's no reason I can't do that. I'm in the team. You know, Markham is a bit slack for the goal, but he's still got to put it away, hasn't
4: he? Uh it's free free Aberdeen yeah. players, he rises above
6: yeah, and listen, he's probably more a threat in the box than Carter Vickers and Starfield. So he does have that to his game. So, yeah, the chances has now. And I think if he keeps putting in the performances, Angel will drop him just to bring Starfield or, you know, once Gents is up to speed back. yeah, I think Angel should have trust him, or hopefully. Yeah. And it's great to see, you know, another Academy player in the first team making his mark. Yeah, yeah. so. This season's Greg
4: Taylor, I think. Bold, bold prediction from Lawrence Sir Patrick. I know you're a big Stephen Wells fan like myself. Um, I think another important aspect of this is when he first came into that Celtic side and started to establish himself out with that Hamilton game and whatnot towards the end of the 1920 season, he was, up, he was in there with Shane Duffy and it looked like Wells was the more senior defender in the two. Whereas this time, he's got... Cameron Carter-Vickers beside him who appears to be talking through every single game which can only be a positive thing and you know like Lawrence has just said that he's made that prediction and some of our commenters are come in to say "Will steps up like I did and will get more confident and another usual Tuesday contributor Egyptian Kings came in to say Welsh will therefore have a Ralston season this year 100% Patrick do you agree with Lawrence? Um, it,
7: it's certainly on the cards I mean Taylor really came into his own towards the last three, four months of last season. You know, he was he was sort of in and out of the team half half duty injury and you seen glimpses of him and he had a tough, tough start to the, the calendar year, but then towards the end of last season he was phenomenal and he was phenomenal again at the weekend. Um I seen someone on Twitter and I think I agree, Welsh plays better when he gets a run in the team, and he's got a run in the team in pre season because starfield has been out and he's been playing really, really well. When he was sort of um, put into the side, you know, I think he played against Wraith Rovers. I think he played against, um, was it Alloa in the first round of the Scottish Cup? Yes. Um And then he, he was brought on it right back against Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final, and he didn't play that well because he was just sort of dropped into the team. With his, he's getting a run, he's playing really well, he's making a lot of progressive passes yeah. into the middle of the park, which is really, really good. Um, it, it's probably... The one thing Starfield doesn't do too well is he's, he's always looked a bit in every passable. Carl eh, Starfield, um, but I think he could have a great Taylor last season because while Starfield's injured and Yens still hasn't played a competitive game, he's definitely the one that you would trust eh, next to Carter Vickers at the moment, um, and he's got a he's got a run of sort of you know winnable league games. You would say before we play the derby in a month's time and then Champions League games, so. He's got a good few games ahead of him to, to cement his place in the team.
4: Yeah. Um, Natasha, what's your thoughts on this? I see one of the comments is coming in to say, you know, had we paid a lot of money for Stephen, we'll should actually probably be raving about him just now. You know, say he was a £3 million defender. We'd probably be saying keep him in the team. I think some Celtic fans can be a bit, um, you know, a bit harsh and, and homegrown talent at, at times coming out of the side. Um, and again, you know, I don't see why he can't have that season, and it's great that you've got that in your squad now. Where you're seeing other players, Ralston Taylor, who's progressed. People maybe thought they, they couldn't do it under Ange Postecoglou, they've proven that they had. And um, you know, certainly Steven is going to be a really, really important part of Celtic squad going forward this season. But it'll be interesting to see how far he pushes Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carol Stafford, who you would assume are Celtic's you know kind of first two picks.
5: Yeah, definitely. In a club like Celtic, there's always going to be competition for places. The players all know there's going to be competition for places. And it's healthy. It's good that they're pushing each other on. It's good to have so many competent options. Um, one thing Ange spoke about in the pre-match press conference that I was at um, was that he doesn't have a starting 11. He doesn't have his first 11 players. He has a squad of, you know, 22, 24 players that he can utilise and feel confident that putting any of them in is going to get the job done that he wants to be done. They're going to play the system like he wants to play and he can trust them and he can rely on them. So, well, yeah, there are certainly players who will have more game time. I think the thing that we're going to see under Ange is that it's going to be much more use of the squad. It's going to be a real squad mentality and that's not just the 11 players who start on the pitch. Um, So players like Valston, Welsh, Taylor, I think are all going to go on and play a really big part this season. You know, we know how many games we're going to have to play. European football is just around the corner, which is going to increase that and add to that. And I think utilisation of a big squad is going to be massively important. So perhaps if we see further down the line, if it's Starfelt and Carter Vickers, then maybe, you know, Welsh comes into the league and we're comfortable with that because he's such an able deputy. Similarly to Greg Taylor. I think that, you know, for now is, is his position to lose. I thought he
4: absolutely. was
5: absolutely fantastic at the weekend um, and probably flies under the radar with the performances of, you know, the usuals of Hattati and Jota, O'Reilly even, who, who catch the eye with the nice footwork in the middle of the park. But I thought Greg Taylor was absolutely exceptional. I thought he had another good game. Like I've said, every time gets better every time I see him play. Um, and yes, we've got Burnaby in. But right now, that's, that's Taylor's position. I think... Ultimately, um, Burnaby, you know, might end up being, you know, the the start the one who starts in the starting eleven. I think that's what he's been brought in for. You know, we've not spent all that money on him not to to put him into the squad and to play, but while he gets up to speed, um, has a bit more training time, works more with the team and the style of football that we play, um, then yeah, it's Greg Taylor's position for now. Similarly, on the right, Juranovic, I think, is you know our starter, but. Valston's fantastic and again I thought he was really good when he came on his cross balls are excellent so I think what we're seeing is it's nice that we've got those sort of options all over the park Um, and it's not a bad position to be in is it?
4: No it's not a bad position to be in and that's some of the other commenters thoughts on um, the bench it's great to have a a strong bench and others are saying you know it's some bench space you know you've got you've got five subs Um, Lawrence it would be a miss to mention Stephen Wilson Greg Taylor, Uh, again, late Natasha I thought it was absolutely exceptional at the weekend, had Jota probably not scored that absolute peach of a goal, he'd have been my man of the match Um, but the jury appears to still be out in the comments people are coming in to say they would rather see Burnaby than Taylor and P. O'Neill's came in to say that he believes that Taylor's not good enough Um, simple, Lawrence I completely disagree with that, I think Taylor was absolutely exceptional, and Sunday he plays the inverted full-back role terrifically well. He knows exactly what the manager's looking for, and to me, it's definitely Greg Taylor's jersey to lose.
6: Yeah, definitely his jersey to lose. But listen, if you go one eleven and say there's better players out there, currently in the Celtic first team, you know I, I don't think we're, we're going to say we get the best player in the world in any position. So, and, and that alone, you know, there's improvement to be made. But look at the improvement Greg has made on the ranch in a season. I'm just developing that cracking player, so I, I think you know it's just outstanding, and yeah, it, it looks like it's going to do the same way Welsh. So yeah, I thought Taylor was great, uh, and it's it's his jersey to lose. But on that note, I'm going to have to go, boys. There's someone at the door. No worries. <laughs> and have a...
4: Okay. We'll see, catch we'll see later. you later on, Lawrence. Bye. Yeah. I think uh, Lawrence is. Dog there as well, might be a Greg Taylor fan too, because he seems to get quite you know excited when we mentioned Greg Taylor. But Pat, what's your take taking this? Because like the Tasha, as I said, I thought it was terrific in Sunday. It's his jersey to lose. I think Bernaby's still getting into that rhythm of uh Angie you know style of playing as fullbacks. Um and again it's important that that both, you know, as the Tasha says, both will get chances in the league and in Europe because we've got a hell of a lot of games to get through. Um, and the manager will certainly give people chances.
7: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt in my opinion. You know, I think we played something like fifty-five games last season. So the idea that Craig's going to play all fifty-five is is probably uh, nonsense. But you know, Bernabe he'll definitely get his chance. He'll probably play at least five or ten games before the World Cup. So we'll get to see him. But you're probably right in what you're saying. He's probably still trying to. Um, Get get sort of used to Andrew's system, inverted full back role, playing inside, making passes, uh, progressive passes inside the park. And you know it's something Greg's doing really, really well at the moment. So, you know, as much as Bernabez going to get his chance, he's going to have to do a hell of a lot to dislodge Greg Taylor. Um, and it, it's testament to Greg Taylor, you know, the way that we're talking about Welsh, could they have a Greg Taylor season? You know, the way that Greg Taylor's came on because he was by no means a bad player. Um, when he came in under Neil Lennon, um, you know it, it's one of the areas of the part that you say we could definitely make an improvement if we spent the money. But he wasn't a bad player, and now look at him—he is this sort benchmark for guys like Stephen are in and out of the team to try and cement their place. So I think he's 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 came on leaps and bounds since about January, February time, and again he was he was phenomenal on Sunday.
4: Yeah, top performance. Natasha, um, just on, Greg Taylor, if you look at it too, we've brought in Ag- Alexandro bernabe I don't think Andrew's bringing bernabe to zero, as you did your bit now, Greg, Cheerio. Um Because again, bringing in players to add to your squad, your squad depth is to push other players in that position, which is what hopefully Stephen Welch will do to the other two centre-halves. bernabe will do it in that left-back position. And again, it might make Taylor... Raises game to level that I've not seen them. you'll probably hopefully see that in other positions of the park
5: yeah exactly um, we were short at left back you know apart from Greg Taylor we didn't really have anyone who you'd put in there Juranovic I know can play at left back but then you lose his sort of ability on the right which I think is really important to have so we were short at left back he brings in another left back he's not brought him in to sit on the bench but he has brought him in to compete for the place with Greg Taylor um, you know He's not going to take shirts off people who are performing well in the position that they're in. It just gives him another option. It gives us another player who can play in that position. I think that's important. Like you say, great for competition for places and, and great backup. Um,
3: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details
0: as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: I, th- I think over time I've probably got to agree with the, some of the comments that are coming in. I think eventually we are going to see Burnaby probably become first choice left back. Um, nothing against Greg Taylor. We've not paid all that money for Burnaby to, to not have him as, a, as part of the starting 11. Um, but for now, I think it's going to be pretty hard to oust Greg from, from that position. So we'll see. Again, like I said before, a great problem to have and really allows us to rotate our squad depending on the sort of game it is, Um, whether that's Champions League, whether it's domestic, whether it's cup. Um, It just gives us that option to to be fluid, to rotate. So absolutely happy with it. Um, But I think come the weekend, I think in Dingwall, I don't think the squad will change too much. Um, Other than, and I'll put this to you guys, I suppose, Perhaps might see the introduction of Jacko starting up
4: front. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the points I've got noted down to talk about is Saturday, so let's move on to that very um, quickly. In, in terms of my opinion on that, I thought, you know, Kyogo, it's really, I think it's easy to forget how much football he missed from the term of the year. Obviously, he came back in an April time, he's got a great goal up in Dingwall. Um, but again, you know, he probably could have had a hat-trick before half-time. Sometimes what you could call a typical Kyogo performance. You know, you get loads of chances. Um, even that one early on in the game, Patrick, if you remember he scored something similar against AZ Elkmar last season early on. Um, you know, it just depends. Ross County, from what I watched on Saturday against Hearts, I think the old Jambo fans got me a bit of fright. They look to have recruited quite well. We know they're a big team. They're, they're very physical. It's the Malcolm McKay way of playing football. Jakimakis might be the, the player just better suited and I think that's something that Andrew will do uh, Patrick, uh, is pick players based on opposition to an extent and just getting that rotation into the team too, I don't think that'll be his main basis of changing the team about, but I think you'll see rotation in the team, and again, you know has missed a great chance at the weekend too and it might just be a, a case of you know them getting back out and obviously missed a couple of games due to the birth of his newbie baby, so yeah I would possibly be tempted to go for Big Gigi in Saturday Patrick.
7: Um, I think we the way that you know, as you said, they've recruited well, very physical. Um, they're, they're probably going to have a ten or eleven men behind the ball, aren't they, in their own half? It's a very small and compact pitch up there. It's especially from the camera angle, it's a terrible place to to watch your team play football. So. I would actually agree. I, I would go with uh, Yakimakis uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, you seen the the Kyogo goal that he scored in April. It's a great cross from Jota, but you know, as much as it's a great goal from Kyogo, if you're putting headers in, if you're putting crosses in the box, you're probably going to pick Yakimakis to be getting his head onto them. Um, and again, I think you just need a bit of physicality up there in my opinion. And I think Yakimakis definitely brings that. moment, Kyogo. Not only that, if you get to the 60th minute and you're struggling in any way, if you bring Kylo on, he's got a bundle of energy, um, sorry, an abundance of energy, um, and he can he can make all these runs and he can drag the defence left and right. So, you know, wh- whatever the manager chooses to go for, you've definitely get a very different option, but a quality option coming off the bench. If we are struggling, which I don't think we will, I think you know, if Hearts can dispatch them two one, then I think we can dispatch them as well. Um, the only downside is that it won't be in television of course um, it'll only be people on the ground that can watch it in the UK and Ireland um, which is very unfortunate but that's the way that the SPFL are running the show, um, it's a bit incompetent but there you go
4: Yeah, That's one of the, the commenters points on this and you know, the tasha too, but we've seen the, the statement from Ross County last week who said that any Celtic fans by home end tickets were being refused the entry um, the last time we were up there in April time, there was you know, sections of the ground that Celtic supporters, and in. From anything I've seen, it looked as if it was all you know, quite well-mannered and whatnot. Um, I think Ross County and Barcelona next to hospitality packages and then sticking them in with a Celtic fans. So again, yet another allocation cut across the country, which is becoming a bit of a common theme. But just kind of touch on it, it is a farce that you know people in the UK and Ireland can't watch the game. Sky Sports haven't picked it up. And because of the rules changing around Covid when teams last season would have been able to show this on pay-per-view they can't which you know it stops people from watching their football team we should try to encourage people to watch our football team and you know for clubs like Ross County no disrespect to them um, Ron McGregor does a great job up there but you know it's extra income that I'm sure could go to whether it be player wages or whatever else at the club and it's a a real shame because Ross County are probably um, missing out here
5: Oh absolutely I mean it's ridiculous isn't it um, you can't have the first away game of the season and fans not being able to to watch their team play, it's just beyond frustrating, we're trying to grow the game here in Scotland, we're trying to increase the audience and not having it available to view is the absolute opposite of that um, similarly to the ticket allocation again, very frustrating I think football clubs must be the only business in the world to turn away paying customers um, listen, don't get me wrong, if the home team can sell out their ground to their own fans with the minimum yeah. allocation to the away fans, then that is absolutely fine by me. Yeah. You know, I support that. Why would you give the away team an advantage? Um, Which is what Hearts have,
4: have done yeah. to be yeah. better, absolutely. You know, have, as much as it's absolutely
5: annoying. no issues with what Hearts have done in terms of they sold out their season ticket allocation, um, they're giving the away fans the, the minimum requirement because they're filling their stadium with their own fans. I have absolutely no issue with that at all. Um, we know that that isn't always the case in Dingle there will be empty seats um, and it's just frustrating because more of the fans could have been there to, to see the team play um, particularly when it's not on television, is just very frustrating indeed um, and hopefully being looked at so that we don't have this situation occurring again throughout the, the season I'm sure the club will be looking into that more, I certainly hope that they are um, I believe our allocation is just short of 1400 I mean that is not very much um, I've very lucky to be going up um, with a ticket. Um, look forward to, to seeing the team play, but so frustrated on behalf of people who, who aren't, that I know, travel all over the country in Europe to to watch Celtic play that can't get into this ground um, and can't watch it on TV and there'll be empty seats in the stands. So, frustrating. Um, moving on to, to the actual football and picking up some of the, the points that you guys have been discussing there. I think I fully agree with Patrick in terms of the Kyogo and Jackie Marcus debate. It's something I asked Andrew about um, last week. Um, he's not ruled out the possibility that for some games that they play together, which I think is quite interesting um, we didn't he gave see the
4: a, boy beside uh, me a, a roasting for that. that on Sunday He said that uh, <laughs> team full of strikers, he says I'll note that one down mate
5: <laughs> There you go, There you go. he certainly didn't um, rule that out And um, be interesting to see, I think, how they could work together in certain games Not this one, I don't think, I think this one is one for Jack Marcus, I think like Patrick's already touched on, um, He's got the physicality that we're going to need going away to a ground like that. Um, I think he will be frustrated. He cut a bit of a frustrated figure after some of his misses against Aberdeen and I think he'll be looking to to put that right. Um, so for me, I think I'd keep the squad relatively the same. I'd probably switch Kio for Jack Makis. And I might start Ralston instead of Juranovic. Um, I mm. don't know what you think about that.
4: Yeah, but one of the games I found interesting um, last season was when we went to Livingston, and it was almost as if fans post the like goggle who played a team that suited the fixture, mm-hmm. which is something I've not seen them do too much. Obviously, Patty brought Bitor in there, Ralph came in and whatnot, which I think he might do a wee bit more. Uh, he may look to do um, in Dingwall on Sunday. Um, just to kind of touch back on the, the, the TV thing, I think over 130,000 fans across the four divisions in Scotland went to see their team at the weekend, which is great. Um, but, you know, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. There's absolutely no sense from the uh, televising perspective. But, yeah, back to Angie Stanton living on uh, Saturday. Patrick, do you think they might play, you know, as Natasha said, the Ralston, Yakima, guys who maybe just suit the fixture a wee bit more?
7: Yeah, a wee bit of physicality. And then obviously, you know, Ralston's got a decent record against Ross County. He's got that famous goal. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong playing guys who usually play well against a certain team, you know. I know there's no guarantee of success when you do stuff like that, but he does have a good record against Ross County. Um yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I think you need um on a pitch that's that's quite small and it's a bit tight and it's a bit packed, I think you could do with the physicality. Um, Ralston I think he got something like eight or nine assists last season, along with his mm-hmm. six yeah. or seven goals. So great cross to the ball. Um great at a set piece you know corners, free kicks he, he gets his head to a lot of stuff um, so I, I could totally go with that you know Jovanovic is a bit of a dead ball specialist but what are the chances of us getting dangerous free kicks and penalties probably quite low whereas we're definitely going to get corners and stuff so I, I could definitely see us going with that um, I would totally agree uh, that'll have to be my last point as well like Lawrence i need to jump off for work so I'll see you That's next okay. Tuesday
4: we'll catch you later and then there was two um the, the Tasha just in uh, yakamaka's we put a lot of balls into the box on, on Sunday there. Um and Paul's coming in the comments there to say if we're putting 30 Plus crosses and I'd rather have Gigi in the box than and Kyogo. Um I, you know, I think I'd probably agree with that too, that we, there's a lot of a lot of joy in the wings um in Sunday. And if we're gonna get that joy um come come Saturday at Dingwall, I'd probably be more tempted to go with Yakimakas up front.
5: Yeah, I have to agree with that. One thing that slightly frustrated me about um, Kyogo at the weekend was that, yes, we were putting a lot of good balls into the box, but for some reason, Kyogo just seemed to constantly be wrong side. Um, and the balls come in and were good, particularly, I think, when we switched Jota to the left. I think that made a real difference in terms of the quality and the joy we were getting down the left and the balls into the box from there. But none of them were quite finding Kyogo. Whereas when Marcus is on, they were finding him a lot easier. Um, perhaps the style of play, the way he plays... Yes, he didn't quite manage to get any of them away, but he was getting himself into the right positions and creating the good chances. Um, similarly, when Ralston brought on, I thought our crossing improved. So for me, for this sort of game on Sunday, Ralston Jean, Jack, Macas could be really good assets. The one other difference, um, and I'll caveat this by saying, I probably wouldn't start him on Sunday, um, or Saturday, sorry, up in Dingwall is one of the differences and one of the reasons I think we created slightly more chances when Jack Marcus was on is because David Turnbull was on. Mm -hmm. And I think he provides us with slightly more attack in the way that we play. I think he drives the teams forward slightly more than some of the other midfielders maybe do. Um, And I think when he's on, we do have more of a goal-scoring threat. So as well as Jack Marcus giving us that, I think the difference or one of the differences um, against Aberdeen was the introduction of, of David Turnbull. So, for me, he's one that often gets overlooked when we're looking at players like Hattati and O'Reilly in the middle of the park. They were fantastic, again, as they have been through pre-season, so they're going to be very difficult to remove from their positions. But we can't forget David Turnbull, and it comes back to the point that we do have a really, really good quality and depth, and the way we're going to need to rotate our squad for the number of games we're going to play, I expect to see a good amount of David Turnbull too.
4: yeah something people are picking up on is a uh, Kyogo maybe not getting picked out with the runs um, Stevie boys coming in here in the comp say said making the runs but just not finding them faster I think a big part of the success of Kyogo's goal early on in the season Natasha was Turnbull on that team we know he can pick people their a pass he's a very talented midfielder um, and again similar to the Norwich game when he came on obviously against his goal against Norwich He affected the game and I think come sat- Saturday um, Hatati, everything good about Celtic I think at times in the first half was going through Rio Hatati, but with that wee injury I think the manager might look to maybe mm-hmm. play Turnbull beside O'Reilly um, One of the other kind of debates that's rumbling on a wee bit is the wingers and uh, Patrick McLaughlin's came in here to say, for me Jota is better on the left hand side um, I thought Celtic looked a lot more effective and Jota switched around with made that happened a few times in the game it was something I asked him about after the game, Jota. Um, and he said, listen, he said, I'm quite happy to do that. He said, it's about our philosophy. Every player in the team understands to do that. And if it helps the team, I'm happy to play, basically. Anyway, what's your take on that? Because to me, Celtic's probably most, Celtic's strongest front three at this point in time is probably Maeda, Kyogo, mm-hmm. Jota. But mm-hmm. people may be asking questions uh, as that, uh, going to suit because you know we on known that Maeda got all those goals at Yokohama off the left wing Jota was arguably more effective off the left wing early parts of the season last year and we bad on that right hand side what's your thoughts on this kind of front free conundrum?
5: Again, I agree. Like I mentioned, I think we got a lot more joy and were a lot more effective with Jota on the left. But it's good to be in a position where the players that we have in that position, in front in the front three positions really, are flexible, fluid, can adapt to the system, can move from the right to the left, playing through the middle. It's great to be able to keep changing that up through the game. Um, I think a lot of it might depend on opposition as well, I think we might be able to target the weakest fill back That means switching them. Um, if, for example, Jota isn't having any joy on the right, try him on the left and vice versa. Again, nice position to be in that they are all able to play in the different positions across the middle of the park. Um, I think I would probably keep Hitati in the middle if, we, if he's come through that knock, OK? Um, yeah, it fine doesn't seem field. to...
4: Didn't seems seem okay. too concerned about yeah. it. It yeah. seems
5: okay. Um, Ange didn't really seem to, to have any stress about it either post-match. Um, so it seems like it'll be relatively okay because I think he's important there and a lot of our good play, like you said, came through him. For me, it's the way that he can pick it up in the middle of the park, turn and offload it in almost one quick movement. And I think that's so key to our quick-playing philosophy is that in that sort of you know one transition, the ball's moved from where he is to to the forward players. um. That comment that came in, were they not maybe finding Hugo's runs? Were they not picking him up? Maybe. Um, maybe that is one of the reasons. I'm sure that'll come together a bit more as they start to to, to play more competitive games together. I know that's not what, what Ange likes. We don't need to get into the rhythm. We should already be there. Um, but maybe there is that sense of of just getting back into that rhythm between them. Um, but yeah, hopefully Hitati comes through that slight knock um, and, and is available for, for Dingwall because I think he's absolutely key what we saw of him last season was exceptional and um, I thought he was very good but like mm. he touched on he was mentally tired he was physically tired he just played a season and a half of football and he was already at a brilliant level I think he can take that to the next the next level this season and um, we've already seen glimpses of it in pre-season we've seen glimpses of it against Aberdeen. Um, So what he can achieve this season I think is going to be really, really important. I know he's already been heavily tipped in the early predictions for player of the year um, and it it wouldn't surprise me because I think he's got a lot more gears to go through and we've just seen the start of what he's capable of.
4: Yeah, I think there's a a lot more to come from him Um, and even you know, Ange continue to play him. I think we're just trying to get him suited to the system and his expectations and his demands of uh, a, a midfielder under his style of football. What is your take on that Abada one? we've got people in the comments saying that they would start Abada at the weekend instead of Maeda. Uh, Johnny Ryan's coming in to say he believes that Jota definitely better and the left coming inside. Got others coming in to say start Abada. And we've got others saying don't play Abada. What is your take on this, Natasha? Because, you know, certainly I think um, if you look back at some of the Europa League games, particularly Ferenc Varos, where you had Abada, Jota, and Kyogo, it worked particularly well at times. And, you know, it's their kind of, you know, if you will, the natural positions. But we know that Maeda can be effective wherever he is. He is the typification of Ange Postacoglu's football. He didn't have a particularly bad game at the weekend. Um, you don't want to make too many changes to the team, but it will be interesting to see how that rotates, I think, throughout the season.
5: Yeah, no, I would probably stick with Maeda. I think if we're switching Kyogo out for Jack Marcus, then I think Maeda's energy up front and on the top three is going to be important. Um, the way he chases the ball down, puts pressure on the, the defenders. Kyogo does a lot of that. So if we lose Kyogo, I would want to lose Maeda as well. So keeping Kyogo up there to do that sort of work, um, for me, will be important. And I get, Do you know what? The thing is, whoever starts, whoever takes these positions that we're talking about, we're going to have some bench, aren't we? Um, and I think that's going to be a real, real asset of ours this season is that, you know, if it isn't quite working, you know, come to the 50, 60, 70th minute, the players that we're going to have on our bench are going to be absolutely phenomenal, game-changing players. We saw it at the weekend, you know, we're going to have a bench of, you know, perhaps if we go with the lineup that we've discussed, on Saturday, our bench could have Kyogo, it could have Abada, it could have David Turnbull, who can all have that ability to come on and totally change a game.
4: And yeah, what a wonderful position that is to be in. Yeah, um, just to correct myself on that, Patrick was saying it should be Maeda coming off the bench, uh, not a badder. But yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, Natasha, that you don't want to make too many changes um, to the team up top because you don't want to affect any of them uh, too much. But yeah, I think Maeda is very, very important, this suppose, if you do play Yakimakis for just that high press and the energy he brings Um in terms of the winger switching about, do you think that's something that, that helps our game? That you know, fullbacks are, are up against different players. Do you think that was something that was effective? And and Sunday I certainly thought, you know, when it happened and Jota went over to that side, um, we did get a lot more joy, whether that was just Jota being a lot more comfortable on that side or whether it was the the fullback maybe taking a bit of a back that, you know, he's got Maeda harrying him for 25 minutes and then he's got Jota then you're up against him it must be a bit of a of time if you're a fullback in the premiership just now
5: <laughs> it keeps him guessing doesn't it um, if one minute you've got a player of Maeda's quality running at you um, and your breather from that is having Jota running at you I mean that's not a nice day at the office and then when we make our substitutions all of us a sudden you're facing Abada or maybe even James Forrest I and mean, we know full-back is going to want to come up against Celtic with the wingers that we've got who are interchangeable across the positions um, that are never going to give you a minute's rest, particularly with Kyogo chasing you down, or Maeda chasing you down every two seconds. So I think um, defenders won't like coming up against Celtic this season, um, and that's all the better for us. I think we're really strong, particularly out wide, particularly in the middle of the park, Um So, yeah, I look forward to seeing what impact that all of our players in those positions are going to have this season. And I think, like we've touched on already, depending on the game, depends who we're going to utilise. But all of them are more than capable of changing the game and having a really strong contribution. So um, I don't have concerns, regardless of who Ange Postacoglu chooses to put in over the weekend, because I think they all are at the level of the quality that we need and they all play the style of football that he wants us to play. So... I trust whoever he is going to put into the team at the weekend um, that are going to be more than capable of doing the job. And when it comes to changing it up, the players that come in behind them are going to be more than capable of doing the job. So excellent all round.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all got, you know, complete faith in Angie to pick the the team he sees best fit to to beat Ross County up there. Um if you were if you were in the big man shoes, Natasha, what, what would your team be? I would go with uh, Joe Hart. And goal obviously, I'd go with a back four, but just to, probably the one change in it, i bring Ralphson in there to, to partner Welsh Vickers. And Taylor, would you agree with that one?
5: Yeah, I'm with you on that so far.
4: Um, Midfield, I'd probably, if if Hattati's okay, I'd probably stick with him in there and play McGregor Hattati in Turnbull. Um, that's no, nothing against Matt O'Reilly because I thought he was, was absolutely fine at the weekend, but I just think he needed to be a bit more uh, freshness in there. And again, we know that O'Reilly can be effective. Off the bench, what's your thoughts on that midfield free?
5: Uh, I keep O'Reilly in. I would keep O'Reilly in. I just think the momentum that he's got going for him at the moment um, is going to be important. Um, I have him slightly ahead of Turnbull in my ranking so far. I, I mentioned Turnbull earlier. I think he's fantastic, um, but O'Reilly stays in for me.
4: O'Reilly, so stick with the same midfield as Sunday. I
5: would yep. Get.
4: Turnbull, the impact sub again, and then your your front free. I'm going to stick with the same. Two wingers and then Big Jacko up front.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Um, I think that's the, the right way to go about it. And like we've touched on earlier, look at the players we're going to have coming off the bench. And one we haven't even mentioned yet, um, who hasn't had a lot of game time, but could be a game for him particularly off the bench, would be Aaron Moy. Mm. I think depending on how the game goes, I think he's a, a great player who could come in and really show up that midfield. Not seen a lot of him yet. But I
4: think this is the sort of game that it could be could be good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he looked a lot more sharper at the weekend after another week's training. He's obviously coming up to fitness another week should mm-hmm. hopefully do him the world of good. Um and again, yeah, absolutely. I think we'll start to see him feature a wee bit more. Um, Kelly could be the one he's maybe looking at for down there, the old plastic park. Um Again, didn't didn't can do another game with that plastic surface, but hey you know beat bits of it in front of you. Mm-hmm. But um, thanks to everyone for their, their, their comments today. Um, please do like the video if you've been watching. Subscribe to the channel if you've not already done so. Um, we at the start of the show remembered Celtic legend and Lisbon line um, John Hughes again. We just like to echo about um, thoughts at the start of the the show Big Yogi was a, a Celtic legend and will always be remembered and we're thinking about all his family at this um, sad time so yep remembering Big Yogi today and I'm sure there'll be a lot more um, over the next few days and Celtic will put their own personal tribute to, to Big John um, in the coming days or, or weeks maybe when we get back to Celtic Park but thanks everybody for joining us and have a great day
2: Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network I'm Victoria Cash Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1 If you're ready to have some serious fun For the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2